welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Donnelly, and today I am joined by the analytical gamer, Jesse. Jesse, how you doing? Living the dream. Living the dream. How you doing, Tom? <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> if, you're being, if you're being sarcastic, I am in complete agreement. This is the, the 20... Actually, no, <laughs> I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2020 has has you know has been so horrible for so many people and it has not been that horrible for me. So it's been you know in, in some ways it's been a, a, a you know in some ways it's been a bad year but in other ways it's been a surprisingly fortunate year in a way you know for, for most people it's just been horrible. So uh thankful for that. Though I will say that playing games with with you this week I felt so deeply a sensation that I've had all throughout, but I felt really, really deeply this sense that, damn, I missed sitting across the table from you guys. Yeah. Just, you know? Yeah. No, totally. I I agree. I, I do feel like we kind of, uh, I don't know, that one night we were just kind of like letting it fly. It was almost like we were sitting across the table from each other. It was just fun, you know? Yeah. Just making jokes and just having fun playing the game, and it felt like we were sitting, you know, next to each other. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 yeah yeah, it was you, me, Trey, and Elder, and for some reason, the alchemy with that foursome was just right, and everybody was just making fun of each other in that in that lighthearted way. That you, know, when you're sitting across from each other, you do very naturally, but when you can't see the person, and and there's that that artifice, and you're ne- never quite sure how something's being taken. Sometimes it just it just takes the shine off of mm-hmm. a lot of things, right? I, I feel like we've had so much practice now playing games online that we sort of assume that we're sitting next to each other and we, yeah. you know, we assume how they're going to respond kind of thing. And, and I feel like it's becoming more natural. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is. I, I mean, I, I was, I think from the get go, I was having one of the harder times in our, in our group adjusting to the digital. I really just don't like it. And I still, I still don't, but I do think you're right. I do think we're, we're sort of, we're, we're finding a, a, a somewhat of a new normal in here. At least until the world changes for us, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It will. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. This is round nine, turn eight, and today we are going to be talking about the 2020 release of Beyond the Sun, put out by Rio Grande Games, and we're also going to be talking uh, about 2020 in general. We're going to be talking about what has the pandemic done to the hobby that we love. And where are we going forward? We're gonna Jesse and I are gonna put on our uh, prognostication caps and you know try and future cast a little bit and you know see what what is you know what is likely to come out of this. Uh, listen, take it with a grain of salt. We are not uh, we're not psychics. We don't know what's going to happen, but we do have some thoughts on the matter. Uh, what do you say, Jesse? We're Would not you... psychic. What? Sorry. Go ahead. We're not psychic. Okay. Are you? Are you? I mean, I I, me. I should speak for myself. <laughs> I'm not psychic. <laughs> I need to say that. <laughs> um, let's just move right on to this week's game night. Yeah. Game night. Jesse, what have you been playing recently? Uh, well, we played a bit of Beyond the Sun, of course. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I, I find that um, me and Alex, my girlfriend, have gotten a lot of traction, like, or you know, uh, with uh, with Watergate. Um, oh, wow. That's we great. play that a lot. We probably, 
we probably got like 30 or 40 <laughs> games of that. And, you know, she just signed getting into it recently. So, and, and now we, we, we played enough and, um, it's, it's pretty competitive. Like, like, you know, I don't know who's going to win from game. Yeah. I, I had a streak of like 10 in a row and then she started learning some things and now it's just, it's a great, it's a great battle. Uh, we do find that it's harder to play as Nixon. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's that, but it's great fun. I don't okay. know how many times you played that, but I just think it's really, really elegant. I think I probably played Watergate. I think I, I would say six or seven times now. Um, because it's not that long. It doesn't take that long. It's two players. It's 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 very stabby, very back uh, back and forth. It's a, a little more chess like maybe than than the games that I would normally compare it it to in some ways. I was always very very impressed by it. I'm really happy to hear. My, I guess my question with the game was like I get it. It's really really good. Question is there is there enough there for it to be one of these perennials like like Twilight Imperium, Twilight Struggle, Twilight Imperium. There's so much in those games. <laughs> That it's hard to imagine the game ever getting stale, but because Watergate is so stripped down, uh, there was a question of, is it going to be, maybe not solved, but is it going to become a little rote because there are only so many options and combinations? And it sounds like from from your report, it's not. That's amazing. I don't know. I, there's there's different strategies to try, and there's, you know, uh, there, there's ways to zig when, when they're, you know, zagging and they're zigging. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's my favorite casual strategy game like you know it is elegant it's not twilight struggle like it, it, it can it can't be that in depth because there's just such few components but i just feel like they're so smartly crafted um oh, yeah. and sculpted like the, getting rid of all the unnecessary stuff and just like it's very elegant um so i just playing it over and over again we just keep going like wow this is a really really good game <laughs> <laughs> i agree so, i agree no, i think it's yeah, I, I I don't think we, we talk about it that much, but it, it's one of those things that when it came out and when we when we first started playing, we we're like, well, this is obviously a, an amazing game, just really clearly that way. Uh, for me this week, um, actually, it's been three weeks since I've uh, since I've recorded. Maddie did a, uh, a a bonus episode last week, and he recorded the week before. So for me, these last few weeks, I've been playing Beyond the Sun, obviously, uh, Maria. The crew we brought out, Wavelength we brought out back at home. I got an Imperial Struggle, and Maddie bought the super deluxe, everything included, High Frontier set. And when I showed that to my son, that was our favorite game. We used to play High Frontier all the time, and mm. so we brought, we broke out the High Frontier, and uh, we did a little um, solar expropriation and uh, had, had a, an cool. absolute blast. That is one of those guys. I'm dying to play that with uh, with Maddie and see all the stuff. I will say this: I have not liked the expansions to that game. Uh, I like the base game extraordinarily much. Uh, I will say there's the first expansion essentially is the um, second half of the solar system, so Jupiter and, and beyond. I'd like that very very much. But once you get into things like um, um, interstellar travel and and all that sort of stuff, the game just felt to to mm-hmm. it kind of spin spin beyond its design a little bit. But that's me personally. Yeah, I've never I've never played that one. I gotta check it out. It is. Um, it's Byzantine. It's it is a uh, it, it's quite it's quite an endeavor. Um, so Phil Eklund, who is a, a problematic character that we have discussed many times before, uh, was a rocket scientist at JPL. That's his uh, that's his training. That's his background, hmm. and he spent years and decades coming up with a realistic space exploration simulation. 
mm. and that's what this is. This is it, this is about going out there with technology that has already been designed or things or or plans that uh, that have been made but not built. Um, and exploring our solar system and mining for you know for elements that we don't have here or things that we can do better in zero g and all that sort of stuff and it's very highly researched. Is it a great game? I don't think so. I, I think that you should really approach uh, high, high Frontier as a simulation. As a simulation, it's kind of incredible. It is tough to yeah. learn. There's a huge learning curve. But as a simulation, it's incredible. As a game, I'm not sure it's a, it's a very good game. I mean, Trey will, Trey will be the first to say he doesn't think that it's a game at all. Um, well, I don't want to put words in Trey's mouth. I'm not sure he would say that. Wow. But I think definitely, uh, definitely Trey voiced uh, displeasure with, uh, with some of the elements of the mm. game that were realistic but not fun. So let's just say that. Uh, I think that I think that would be. I, uh, right, right, I hope right. hope Trey that some you random elements. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, Trey, I hope you don't object to to that characterization of what you said. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it was it's so much fun it, it, for me now. It's nostalgia with my son, right? It's it's he's gonna be eighteen in just a few months. He's he's getting to that that wow. age. And we started playing Hot Frontier when he was ten, which is early. But oh, wow. but he got he got really into it. He really he really liked it. And to this day, he's you know he's cool. a big space exploration. You know, he he loves to watch SpaceX launches and 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 know what's going on there. And you know, he's kind of a STEM kid a little bit. So I'm I'm happy that that in some yeah, small cool. way may have may have fed that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I got a couple more. Oh, please. Um, uh, uh, and and I, I I said it last time. I think I said it the time before. But I'm still playing this game, uh, so it's worth saying this game is on my brain. Uh, Slay the Spire. Uh, and I know I'm late <laughs> to the game on this, and it's like yeah yeah no, it's a great game. Uh, did you play it much? I have not played Slay the Spire. I don't. Um, I've decided I decided a long time ago that I would not play video games. Now not never, but almost never. Like I, I like the only video oh. games I play are board games with video game implementations. Um, I, 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 let's put it this way: I could easily spend all of my days doing that, no problem whatsoever. And I just <laughs> and I just found that I, you know, at some point I was like, "Do you want a writing career or do you want to yeah. play these kinds of games?" Because I do I I don't think I'm an addictive personality in most ways, but I'm definitely an addictive personality in this particular way. If I if I if I had Slay the Spire, I, I everything you guys are saying about it just hits hits me so hard on the I oh that sounds so good oh it sounds so amazing. But I have, you know, but, yeah. but it, and then it, uh, my brain puts it all in a little lockbox and closes the box and says, yeah, but that's not for you. So there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, I, you should, uh, overcome that and just play it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're urging it, me it, to, it, to, to leap into an addiction that will be bad for my career. Thank you, man. You're the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> don't play Fortnite. You know, you don't have to play the Halos and the Call of Duties. Those are, you know, video games, but this is, this might as well be a board game. It's, it's going to sort of like, yeah. Scratch all those things, and and it's sort of you know it's going to feed all that mm-hmm, for you. Mm-hmm. Not like regular addictive you know video games, but I just think it's so incredible. Um, and then uh, when I brought it up with uh, Maddie last time, he mentioned that um, uh, what, what's that magazine? Um, uh, that had come up with their top one hundred. 
uh, games. Best games. Um, Isn't it Games Magazine? Uh, PC Gamer. PC, PC Gamer. Oh, okay. Um, they're top 100 games uh, of all time um, every year, right? And yeah. I, as this year, it was number four, Slay the Spire. Mm. And, um, and then I was like, you know, I, don't, I wonder what number one is. Well, guess what's on my brain right now? <laughs> the number one uh, game on PC Gamer Magazine? Yeah. Uh, Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium. Um, Got it. You, I'm sure you haven't heard of that. Like, I, well, I, many so, people who so here's, play the, video games. here's the weird thing. Yeah. I've written video games, right? I mean, I've, it's not that I haven't ever played them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the writers of, uh, of The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, the, the, the big mm-hmm. VR hit from this, from, you know, from this and last year. Uh, so I, I'm Did definitely. Did you know this one? Uh, no, I don't know that one. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So it's I have, really I, obscure. Is so I, mean. I know a bunch um, of things, and then there are other things that I'm just completely in the dark about because of my self-imposed you know, media blackout. Tell me about it. Right. So it is a uh, <laughs> it's a role-playing game. Um, there's not a lot of like combat, but uh, you know, there technically is some. But it's a lot of just sort of exploration. Uh, well, uh, it's wandering around this like uh, town. And just talking with people. Mm. Now you are you wake up as this drunk <laughs> cop, maybe. Okay. You're not really sure, and you're trying to figure it out. What's really interesting thing about the game is these. Th- there's there's four main categories of stats. Um, you have like two physical, like it's like your physical prowess, and it's kind of like your dexterity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got two mental ones, which is like your intelligence, and the other ones more kind of like empathy. And then within each of those, you have these these sort of sub, you know, categories and it'll be something like inland empire stuff, stuff like that, or like encyclopedia and inland, very specific aspects meaning of what? your mind. And they become voices in your head oh. when you're talking with people and they inform what your dialogue choices will be. And then when the other person talks, if you have like strong empathy, they'll say your your that voice will come in and say, well, I think they really mean this. Um, and, and, and these writers are so sharp. It is witty. It is clever. Wow. Uh, it's, if you ever play the game and I know you won't, um, but it it is a lot of reading. So it's not something you're just going to kind of like, you know, mindless go, you know, just check out. But I, I, I did want to bring it up to you in particular because I know how much you care about narrative and writing screenplays and stuff. And it's a really, really interesting story. Well, well, the so. dialogue systems and the dialogue system design that was was done for uh, for the, the the Saints and Sinners, the the Walking Dead game that I did, it was yeah. it was a whole new world. It was fascinating. Yeah, the thoughts that went into what elements do you put into such system, what elements do you leave out, what is a meaningful choice. It was amazing. I really loved it. Totally. Yeah. Got to check this out. Um, so yeah. Huh. Yeah. What what say we <laughs> get to the news? Good evening, Mr. Right. Office, South American. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press flight. Ladies and gentlemen, if you if we have gotten you onto the ATNXX phenomenon, we apologize. And yet we have to tell you that there's another ATNXX game coming out. So 18 right. Mag is the new 18XX game that is just about to come out, and it's about the Hungarian railway system uh it plays two to six players it plays in the average amount of time but it seems to be uh, from the description it seems to be quite a different 18xx first of all there are 13 railway companies and they operate in numerical order they do not vary based on stock valuation which is interesting um 
Also, the sh- owning shares in the company and operating the company is uh, handled in a slightly different way than usual. Another thing, all trains are available in this game from the very beginning. Now, because of cost, hmm. you might not be able you might still be buying the smaller trains and working your way up to the to the bigger ones but uh if you get a windfall early in the game you can skip way way ahead for for higher trains and trains do not rust in this game that's a lot uh, for people that don't understand 18xx generally you're buying these small trains that go short distances and make you small amounts of money so that you can afford more money to buy the next level of trains but the next level of trains don't come out until all or almost all of the trains of a particular level are already purchased and as you work your way up, you need to keep making that money because once the level four trains come out, for instance, the level one trains become obsolete. They rust out, and you get one more use of them at most, and then they are dead to you. That you you've just that's sunk cost. You've lost that money. Um, not having that and changing that up that sounds to me like this could be a really interesting eighteen XX game. Jesse, you've played um, eighteen forty six with me, correct? Uh, totally not. I have never played an 18xx game. Are you serious? And oh my goodness! Every time I mention this, <laughs> I say the same you, thing. You get, yeah, and then you say, "Well, I have to show you some of these games." And I'd love to. Yeah, but then but the world fell it. apart. <laughs> the world. <laughs> I, I don't. I, are, I, are none of these on uh, Tabletop Simulator? Actually, it, it, there's there is a great site for online 18xx play. Um, that is specifically for 18xx play. It's one of the best places to play online. I just don't. I just don't personally think that I can play a a six hour stabby take that game, which almost all of these are um, online. Yeah. Right? I need to be sitting across from people for that. That's that's me personally. Like other people don't have a, a problem yeah. problem with that at all. But for me, it's you like to see the pain in their face. I get uh, it. Yeah, I, listen. I think this is going to be part of what we talk about when we talk about you know the, the this week's segment, which yeah. is the you know what what games f- flourished in this period. I don't think anything flourished per, per se, but what games did well within the new format situations that we were thrust into, and what ones didn't. Yeah. Right. I think eighteen yeah. X yeah. actually did fairly well for a subset of people. Because there is a really good implementation on there, but not everybody that, that, that likes these kinds of games would like them in this situation. And, and I kind of fall sure. into that category. So what can you do? Uh, next up, Jesse, you are a lover of social deduction games. There is a two-player game called Inhuman Conditions in tw- uh, that came out in 2018 that is, uh, hmm. that is going to get a bigger release. It's going to be... Uh, Coming out uh, now, sit down, uh, shut up and sit down. Just did a review of it, and it seems really interesting. It's from the co-creators of Secret Hitler and Better Myths. It is uh, set in a Blade Runner type situation, and it is five minutes long, two players, and it's basically interrogation and conversational <gasps> judo. It, wow! It seems like Jesse that Santa went into his workshop and said, I'm going to create a game <laughs> just for Jesse. Oh, 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 oh. Right? That sounds great. Right? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's like, I didn't, I didn't know about this. Um, right. I, I, I literally just ordered it. Ro- robot, yes, right. Robots have to answer <laughs> the, the investigators' questions without arousing suspicion. But 
they have a specific malfunction in their ability to converse, right? Humans can speak mm. freely, but there, but there are problems with that as well because if you don't say something right, you, you could seem like a robot. <laughs> this is, yeah. you know, I I don't think we could play this with Paul because Paul just sounds like a robot almost all the time. So it, it's a really tough thing. But this is gonna be. This looks incredible. I have to say, if yeah. this works as well as as it seems like it might. I really, really, really want to check this out, and I and I gotta say, one of the first first people I want to play this with is you, Jesse. I think this is I yeah. think this is this is your wheelhouse right here. Totally. Oh my gosh, this looks great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Unmatched is our next uh, uh, next title. Unmatched has been coming out with uh, set after set, and they've been had some really great combinations. This one is the weirdest uh, legendary set uh, to go with their unmatched game, um, and this one is Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf. For those that don't know, Unmatched is a uh, player-versus-player skirmish game that does some really great, very creative things with a uh, a board that is color-coded, and the colored regions respond, uh, act sort of as um, range markers. Right, Anything within the same color is one range band and so on and so forth. It's some great ideas. Um, they started off doing this with public domain characters, so they would have, you know, so so they had all sorts of Robin Hood and, and all those uh, characters in the public domain. Uh, then they went yeah. to some more branded characters that they got the rights to, and now they're going back to Little Red Riding Hood and Beowulf, with public domain as, oh. as they get. Uh, I would love to see, like Beowulf, I get. I'm I, I'm I'm down. I know what that set is, set is going to be. I would love to see what the Little Red Riding Hood set is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? That'd be cool. Yeah, right. It sounds it sounds pretty interesting. Um, in other news: we have a new Capstone Games release. If you don't know Capstone, you know there are a few things that me personally that I put down on auto buy. I think. I think Maddie has more things on auto buy than I do. I think Jennifer has more things on auto buy uh, auto buy than I do. I think I'm uh, I'm conservative in this regard. Um, I will auto buy a, a Vital a Vital game. That's probably sure, hmm. right? right. Uh, I can't think of a situation in which I wouldn't, unless it was unless it was clearly a complete departure from what he does. Um, I would I would auto buy you know there's there's a bunch of things that, that I would auto buy I, uh, the splatter the next splatter game I'm gonna I'm, sure there's no question I'm going to get it um, but as far as uh, publishers Capstone Games comes the closest to a publisher that I would auto buy from they have had such a track record recently they've been on such a, a, a roll like uh, Gaia Project is theirs. Crystal Palace, which I absolutely love. Pipeline, Watergate, The Estates, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. like Terra Mystica, uh, Irish yeah. Gage, Maracaibo, Bus. You know, they 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 reprinted a splatter. They're 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 absolutely amazing. I think their taste is absolutely impeccable, and they have a new game that is available for pre order. Coffee Traders. Pre-order is going to end hmm. January 23rd, and it's estimated to ship May 1st. We'll see if that uh, if, if that date holds. These are interesting times. But there's a good chance yeah. that it will. Uh, coffee Traders happens in the 1970s and the future of coffee farming. It's sort of when coffee, when fair trade standards uh, came into being. 
and uh, it is an economic engine game centered around coffee plantations. It looks good. Um, there is a tabletop simulator um, mod for it, I believe, so people are starting to play it. Uh, since you have until January 23rd to pre-order, my recommendation is uh, this is a capstone release. It should be taken seriously. I would go on Tabletop Simulator and check it out. See, you know, try yeah. before you buy maybe and see if the, see if it's for you. But as I said, I'm, I'm kind of uh, down with that. Are you a, are you a big Java yeah. hound? A, a Java hound? Oh, yeah, yes. Coffee. Well, yes. You mean like... As far as like games about coffee, or even drinking, <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about drinking coffee, but I'll, I'll also accept <laughs> I'll accept either. Can Can you name three um, games yes. in which coffee is featured? There you go. How about that? Um, well, uh, Puerto Rico. Yes, good. That was my first thought too. My first thought was, oh, Puerto Rico. There's coffee in Puerto Rico. On the spot. Um, what's the? Um, I'm trying to remember if if uh, what's your favorite. Um, <laughs> Restaurant building game. What's that called again? Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, food chain magnate. Food chain magnate. That, that has coffee, in it, right? The expansion. The expansion does have coffee. That's right. two. Well done, sir. Well done. It's surprisingly not oh. that easy. It's, wait, I got one more. Yep. Um, wait. Uh, what's that bean game? Come on. <laughs> Bonanza. Bonanza. Boom! You did it. That's awesome. I, I think <laughs> we might have also accepted Teotihuacan. I'm not sure if the if the the, the beans in that game are a, a count, but uh, no, you nailed it. That was it. I literally, when I said three, it's because I could name three off the top of my head, and those were the three. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, Coffee Traders economic simulation game. I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. Um, Alfred, I think, is the most is the coffee connoisseur of of our group. Um, in mm-hmm. Osaka, he or Kyoto, he he dragged uh, Paul and myself and a friend of the pod, Matt Patterson, um, through winding streets to find the uh, this tiny little bespoke coffee place that that I, I have mm-hmm. no idea what they what they did. I don't drink coffee, but everyone who drank it was like, "This is absolutely incredible." Mm. So we'll have to check that oh. out. That so you didn't try it when you were there? No, no, I don't drink coffee. Um, oh wow! N- never had not even when in Rome. No, not even when in Rome. Um, wow! I was working on film sets when I was uh, like sixteen, seventeen years old, and so I was getting in, in in New York City, and it was, you know, five a.m. showing up, and everyone around me was, you know, ten years older than me or, or or more, and they needed five, six cups before they could even be civil to each other, <laughs> and it just sort of it set my mind on like, yeah, that's not something I want to I want to get into. Yeah. And good you know, you. I, well, I don't know if it's good for me. I, I think the the reality is is that coffee's become something very different than it was back then. Back then, it was right. it was cheap and awful, and it was just a drug, right? And I think yeah. now, and I think now, it is uh, a connoisseur's item, and I'm a connoisseur of a lot of things. So maybe at some point, I'll uh, I'll change my mind on that and 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 go back to it. But mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I still have yeah. that bad association. So have, have a cup of Joe and play a video game. Yeah. Yeah, or new and then watch <laughs> yeah. the screen. Are you just trying to like, fly out? <laughs> yeah, do a bump, <laughs> <laughs> do a bump, grab a cup of Joe, and play that. Play Slay the Spire. That's what you should do, Tom. Um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about a, a 2020 game that we haven't talked about yet. I don't believe Fayum, Fayum by Friedman Frisa has uh jennifer has played it and says that it is really really good freeman frieza is a weirdo he is this bizarre 
German with spiky, often green-tinted hair, who is kind of the mad genius of the Euro board gaming world. He has designed amazing games, like Power Grid is a Friedman Frieza design. Mm. Um, because his name yeah. is Friedman Frieza, all of his games start with the letter F, and you say, well, Power Grid doesn't start with F. Well, Funkenschlag is what that title is. <laughs> In, in German. So yes, all of his games are, there, uh, uh, are that. And he tries as many of the English titles to be that as well. Um, my hmm. favorite Friedman Friesa game is a game I talk about all the time, Fresh Fish. Fred Fish Fresh Fish is incredible. It's an incredible negative space game by Friedman Friesa. He's done a, a ton. He's had a whole career of doing amazing games. This one sounds like, um, I, I guess the best description of it would be this is uh, sort of Concordia meets Tribune. Mm. It is a game in which you have a hand of cards and when you play that card it allows you to take that action and the action in many cases is getting more cards and deciding when to pick up your discard pile so that you have a new hand of cards is a, is a major uh, a, a consideration. Um, it takes place in an oasis area in Egypt uh, 3,900 years ago, uh, basically it, when the Nile was starting to be tamed um, and swampland was slowly being changed into farmland. And uh, mm. you're a pharaoh's advisor. You're trying to harvest goods, build roads, found settlements, and do everything for the good of the kingdom. Um, if Jennifer says that this is a good game, I think that this might be an amazing game because... the Jennifer, I know Jennifer, and I know what she likes about games, and there are some elements in this that that I think she normally doesn't respond well to. So if she, so if she's saying that this game is working really well, uh, I can't wait to play it. It sounds like it. It sounds like the choices that you make in card uh, play are going to be so fraught, and there's going to be so many mm. amazing you know, decisions you have to make between if I do this, I get this and this and this, and if I do this, oh, I'm setting myself up for next turn where this, this can happen. And uh, it's, it sounds like a, a very interesting combinatorial puzzle, and uh, uh, you know, I'm in, right? It does. It, it sounds like your kind of game, I was going to say. Like, this is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you maybe yeah. playing my kind of game, and uh, you know, this would be yours. I think so. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, next up is a chance for you to uh, weigh in. The Toy Awards of 2021, Toy of the Year Awards. Uh, you can go to toyawards.org and vote for the game of the year. Now, unfortunately, uh, you can't just vote for anything. Here are the selections. Drone Home, the first game with a real flying, flying drone. I'm going to skip that. Fish Club, a classic two-player strategy game with a modern twist. I'm going to skip that. Uh, <laughs> Genius Square um, is roll the dice and place your blockers, then it's off to the races to, to fill a grid with colored shapes to complete the square. Um, and that one seems a little more interesting. That's a little bit like Blocus, where you're, you're, you, you have a, a colored puzzle and you have polyominoes to, to fill it in. That uh, sounds interesting. Uh, but the only game on this list that we've mentioned is Poetry for Neanderthals by Exploding Kittens is one of the uh, games of the year that you could vote for. If you have it, if you've played it and you like it, I literally just recommended this game to a, a friend just the other day. Jesse, do you are you familiar with Poetry for Neanderthals? I, I don't know it, but I know Elon Lee. He's my friend who, who designed Exploding Kids. He designed this apparently too. There you go. So uh, Elon came up with a, this is a word game. 
Um, so if you think of uh, taboo, where you have to get somebody to say a certain phrase, and but there are all these words on the card that you can't say when you're trying to give them clues to get them to say the right word. Poetry for, poetry for Neanderthals is like that, except that the uh, communication restriction is that the clue giver can only use single syllable words. <laughs> and you start right. and you sound like a caveman. <laughs> and the oh, sure. okay. and the other team gets a big blow up club that they get to hit you in the head with if you ever say more than a one syllable word. So for instance, let's suppose you get a clue card and you have to communicate to me Jurassic Park, but you can only use one syllable words. Go. Rex. Uh how many one syllable words can I use? As many as you want. They just have to all be <laughs> Big Rex eat you. <laughs> uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, dinosaur. Um, so, film. Sam. Oh, yeah. okay. Film. film. Sam Neil. Yeah, 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 <laughs> film with Sam Neil. <laughs> Big yeah, Rex yeah. eat you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. And it creates this dynamic where you start talking like a caveman. I think it's. I think it's pretty darn funny. Uh, finishing off the, the nominees, the Pokemon uh, trading card game Battle Academy is on there. Storytime Chess is on there. And the Upside Down Challenge game. Uh, so these are obviously games for, for younger younger kids and stuff like that. So if you have younger kids and you're looking for a cool game, uh, check this out. And if you want to, uh, you know, if you wanted to nominate something or give something, well, I guess, is this award? You know what? I think this is the awards. I think these are the games that got uh, that got the award. So uh, my mistake on that one. I thought we could vote on them. Instead, what it's saying, select them. But selecting them is not to, well, I guess it is to vote. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, check it out. Was, I'm seeing like a finalist unveiled, but I don't know how old this is. Yeah, I think it's recent. I think it's very recent. So uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the worst case, if you have uh, a, a little ones yourself or if you have to buy for little ones and you want to buy them a game, uh, these are considered the best games of the year. And check them out. I think it's a, not a bad buying guide for this, for this season. Um, and yeah. uh, last but not least, Crystal Palace. I love Crystal Palace. We haven't really talked about it much. I haven't played it much since we reviewed it. We're a little bit of an outlier on it. I think we raved about it, and it hasn't quite gotten the love other places that we gave it, and perhaps that I gave it. It's it's definitely possible. Mm. But there is a mini expansion for Crystal Palace that is available at Capstone Games. If you go to Capstone Games, you can do a print-and-play newspaper cards mini expansion. Uh, there was a dynamic in that game where you collect newspapers for various actions, and those newspapers are kind of like a currency where you can trade them for other things that you need at various ratios. Uh, in this case, you have newspaper cards instead, and whenever you supposed to, are supposed to get a newspaper, you draw a newspaper card from the draw pile and add it to your newspaper cards. And at any time, you can discard a newspaper card to gain a pound or you can use the cards for the actions that they provide you, which it, it, it sounds, uh, looking it over and knowing Crystal Palace the way I do, I like it. It's saying, it seems like it's going to add a little more to your strategic uh, um, planning in, in the game and uh, might do some very good things. Now, yeah. Je- Jesse, I'm going to ask you, have you played Crystal Palace? <laughs> because... N- n- no. Uh, we, we, you know, when I feel like... Uh, right before the pandemic, yeah. that was on the table. 
Yeah. And um, and I think other people had already claimed to play that game, and I played the other game. Yep. No. Yeah. I. I and I, it never came back. Yeah. Well, you know, it it, it came out. We played uh, Trey and I first played it at uh, BGG Con, uh, which was in November of 2019. So, and then by the time we we got ourselves the copies of it, it was December January. So really. We only had a month or two to to try and play it, and you know, and we were all playing barrage at that time too. So you know that that was uh, right. that that sucked a lot of the air out of the room. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is the news. Let's move on to games on the brain. Jesse, what's on your brain these days? Didn't we just talk about this? Uh, we did the news. I, I'm sorry. We, oh, you mean before that? We did this week's game night, and then you kind of turned that into a games on the brain segment as well. Oh, my bad. It, uh, it's totally fine. If have you have you tried nothing Slay more, the Spire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Slay the Spire. Uh, we yeah, will. So I already, I already covered mine. We're going to consider you having covered your games on the brain. Um, uh, <laughs> for me, <laughs> um, I was looking this week at. Uh, what games to get for friends and family members, you know, what, what to look out there for and, uh, uh, and what to get. And I realized that 2020 is really kind of messed with us a little bit. There's, there's fewer, fewer games to get. There's a lot more games that are going to be pushed in terms of the time we get them here in the United States until next year or later. Um, I'd be lying if I said Beyond the Sun wasn't uh, on my brain. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that in a short period of time. Um, I, having played Imperial Struggle again with my son, um, I, I'm really starting to think that that might be my game of the year so far. There are still there are still a, a couple really strong contenders that I've yet to play, so I can't really say that yet. But uh, Jesse, you and I, reviewed. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah, because that was that was uh, I was going to say, all right, if there is something that's on my mind, it's yeah. Imperial Struggle. And and I haven't had a chance to play it like since because you and I started yeah. a game. Yep. And I forget why it didn't end. <laughs> and we didn't. And then I had a game with Maddie going. Uh, he made some sort of like blunder with the um, he could have fixed it. But yeah. um, and then he got swept up with a bunch of things. And then we never we never played. We never picked that up again. And um, and then other people don't like Trey doesn't like the game. I mean, he, no, I'm sorry. He doesn't want to play it. Um, and um, I've, I've played I've, it a couple of times with Alex and I played it once with a buddy of mine. And that's 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 kind of it. Unfortunately, I think the online implementation of the game is, you know. is quite good. But I do think it's one of those games that you want to play in, in, in real life, which is different than Twilight Imperium, which I think plays wonderfully online. And I really enjoy playing it online. There's just something about uh, uh, Twilight, uh, uh, Twilight Imperium, I should say, as opposed to Twilight Struggle, that makes me, that just makes me want to play face to face. Or maybe it's just part of this year. Part of this year is I get burned out more quickly on things. So it, it could be Wait, Twilight Imperium or Imperial Struggle. Oh, so, oh sorry, baby. <laughs> uh, Imperial Struggle. <laughs> Imperial Struggle <laughs> is the game I'm talking about. Imperial Struggle is is a game that I'm I'm playing. In, in person at home with my son and uh, that I, that I'm not playing online and uh, it, it could just be, I'm burning out online. It is tough. Yeah. Uh, the other thing on my brain is um, I'll, just, I'll give a little, 
uh, update on the on the novel and and stuff. Uh, we are recording this at the beginning of December, so November was National Novel Writing Month, and uh, I took that time to write. A, you know, the the goal is to write fifty thousand words in one month. I wrote sixty seven thousand words in the month of November and uh, completed a first draft of the second novel in the. Uh, Wow! In the, in the Malcolm Chaucer series. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was pretty good. The idea being that the uh, uh, to game Amazon, what you want to do is you want to not release one book. You want to release three or more books, and you want to release them one a month. Because what happens is is the mm. algorithm promotes your books for you because it keeps seeing new items by this author, new items by this author. It keeps you in the new item queue. It keeps you fresh. It basically does advertising for you and moves you up wow. in terms of their recommendations for other things. So if you can do three it or if you can... It becomes a more relevant search, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. The, the, the Amazon cool. algorithm is looking for that. So I don't... So even though I have a first novel that's, you know getting you know i still need a little bit more editing but it's getting ready to go to beta readers and such and that's pretty close to uh, publication i'm not going to publish it until i have basically two more in the can and uh, and, and maybe three to wit i'm gonna wow. tr- i'm trying i i'm doubling down on NaNoWriMo and in december i've started and i'm five days in i'm trying mill wordy mill wordy is something that somebody came up with in <laughs> 2008 and I have yet to see evidence that somebody's ever done it. But yeah, there's a bunch of people that have started it. There's never been more than 100 people that tried it in any given year. But uh, I haven't seen evidence that anyone's ever done it. But the idea is this. You are going to write one million words in a year. One million words. That comes to a little over 85,000 words a month. And that comes to okay. 2,740 words every single day of the year. If you never, if you never don't write it in a day, so two thousand seven hundred and forty words, rain or shine, sickness or health. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, listen, I have no idea. I, I've you know, I, I said on Facebook that I'm trying it. Everyone was very encouraging, but I said right when I said I was trying it, I said, listen, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. I know I'm going to start off doing it, and I'm going to see where it takes me. I think it's a really fun challenge. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I think my morning, yeah. my morning writing uh, exercise is working really well for me. It's it's starting my day off right. So, yeah. So that that's yeah. that's what I'm doing. And so far, I'm uh, I'm at pace or above pace, and uh, it, it's it's going pretty well. So anyway, that's awesome. Yeah. So good for you. That's 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 my publishing game on the brain today. <laughs> we, <laughs> we will see. Let's move on to what everyone is here to talk about, the game review. We're going to be reviewing Beyond the Sun. It is a 2020 release by Dennis K. Chan, who I believe it is his first game design. Uh, the, art, uh, the artist is Franz uh, Volwinkel, and the publisher is Rio Grande Games. Jesse, tell us a little bit about Beyond the Sun. What is this game? Well, let's see. I'll give you the the BGG description here. Beyond the Sun is a space civilization game in which players collectively decide the technological progress of humankind at the spacefaring era, while competing against each other to be the leading faction in economic development, science, and galactic influence. So this is a game for two to four players. It's a worker placement where you have one worker to do your action. It's, it's, you're taking a lot of turns successfully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then while there's many games that 
like have tech trees, this is a game that's like all about the tech tree, right? Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Um, <clears throat> I just got frog in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to hop in for a moment Take when you clear it? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so um, if you think about ecl- a game like Eclipse, a game like Eclipse, the main board is a modular board that is a map of the universe, and you're filling it in as you go. If you think of, um, if you think of most space games, there's a big map of here's the planetary systems, and here's where, where where everything goes. And then, in addition to that, often there is a sideboard where you have here are the available technologies, or here's the technology tree. Even if you go all the way back and you think about civilization or advanced civilization, of whom Jennifer is one of the designers, you know, one of the, the classics that mm-hmm. began this industry. There is a big map, and the map is of the ancient world, and you're moving things on that. And then there is a separate game board beside that, which shows you, which is sort of a player aid that shows you the technology tree and how you can, you know, if you develop this technology, you can then go to this technology, but you can't go to this one, and so on and so forth. This game flips yeah. that on its head, and suddenly the main board is the tech tree, and the sideboard is the space exploration board. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting to see, like, I've played it three times now, and I've played it with two players, uh, with four players, both with you, and then with three players. Um, it's interesting to see how the game, like, and like what becomes the focus of the game, depend you know, depending on what texts come out. Mm. Um, however, I did notice. Um, I, th- I feel like in each of your games that I played with you, yep. you always went military expansion. Well, the two and, times you and they played, yes. it worked for you. Yes, right. You kind of did it in different ways. Yep. You didn't really do much automation. Um, it just when it happened, like you know, naturally along your path. Whereas, like somebody like Trey. Um, you know, leaned in heavily into the automation. That's kind of this thing, like to create the engines, right? Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, but it, it's interesting. I, I feel like really the, the be successful at this game, <clears throat> you've got to pay attention about what synergies are becoming available through the tech tree, and um, capitalize on those. Hopefully, you're going to find something that's going to fit your natural sort of uh, uh, player um, player power that you come with. Sure. And, well, let's, um, let's, then I think we're, we might be getting then, ahead of then, ourselves. Should we, should we describe the mechanisms of the game just a little bit more? Cause I, I think, I think when yeah, we start sure, talking sure. about automation and things like that, we, we might be losing people already. Um, it is uh, in essence, it is worker placement in the sense that you have one worker and you're going to place him on an action space. At the very beginning of the game, you have the basic space actions. One of which is to, uh, research a level one technology. One is to spend a certain amount of ore and research a level two technology that you already have the prerequisites for because technologies require prerequisites. Uh, Another thing is to move your spaceship from one system to another and sometimes to build another spaceship. And then there's another one which allows you to get more men or get more uh, or get more uh, ore, which is the main resource of the game. You then have a player mat. And the player mat has a, a little bit of an economy to it. Essentially, you have these uh, dice, essentially. You're never going to roll them, but they're dice. Uh, one side of the die is a goods chest, really. And that's what, the way you start the game. Is Almost all of those are goods chests. And they're in column A, column B, column C, column D, column E. Um, what you're then doing over the course of the game is you are converting those goods chests into either men 
and you need men to go on the research spaces, so you research technologies. And there's other purposes for men too, but that's the main one. Um, and then you also are converting them into ships, spaceships that go out into space. And the spaceship part of the die has four levels, a level one spaceship, two, three, and four, because the space map is essentially a uh, area control map, right? If you have more total spaceship power in a system than the other person does, then you gain control of that system. And what do you get for gaining control of that system? Well, most of the time, you get to take one of the disks at the bottom of your player board and put it out on that system. There are other technologies that allow you to automate where you take one of those disks at the bottom and you put it up on the automation track. And what those disks allow is they give you an economy of the game because at the end of your turn, each and every turn of the game, you are going to be able to take one production action. And that is either going to be generally produce men or produce ore. And at the start of the game, when all your disks are on your board, you're going to get one man or one ore. And as you remove those discs, suddenly, oh, look, I can get two men this turn or three men this turn or three or this turn. And that makes a huge, huge difference in the game because a lot of the technologies, a lot of the things we do in the game are going to require these resources. Is that, that uh, yeah. Do you think that, that does a fair job of explaining the situation? I, you always do a fair job at that. So <laughs> Appreciate it. Well done. So now, but, so now what, what Jesse is saying is, is, yeah. that, is that in the, in the games that he played with me, um, I chose the technologies and I chose the actions that put ships into space and move them uh, across, the, across the galaxy or across the, the space lanes, as it were, so that I could get my early disks out on those planets so I could get a, my economy up and running faster. Whereas Trey, in the, yeah. game, in the game we played with Trey, was choosing the automation action, which was doing a similar thing, but it was doing it more slowly. Right. However, more yeah. more slowly, but more permanently, because when you put something up into automate, when you put a disc into automation, I don't believe that there's any way that that disc can uh, leave there. Can come off, right? Whereas, whereas when you're claiming little spots, when you're when you're like using your military prowess to take over a spot in space or, or a planet, then you get to put a disc down temporarily, uh, unless you actually colonize it before somebody else does. Then you can take it off the board. Um, but otherwise, uh, it can go back and forth. You know, people are constantly taking power back from you, and and you know, you're getting your dis, you know, covering your ability to get more ore or more, you know, people. Exactly. So, so, um, so to some extent, it sounds like what you're describing is a game in which you are trying to balance sort of a classic 4x kind of space exploration thing on the smaller map versus. Uh, increasing your technology level by researching new technologies that are going to give you distinct advantages over people that don't have that technology. Correct? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm saying like find the, the what, uh, synergies are. Some people may be using those same synergies and that, you know, hopefully you're, they're going to lean into your player power. And then at the same time, this is a, this is really a, when people are zigging, you got to zag. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I think that's like when a bunch of people are going out there and they're uh, they're doing the military thing, and you know, then you maybe just want to go focus on the tech and wait for that to calm down over there because when the planet they're losing a ship and that's that could, that can end up, and if you just pop at the right time, you can take a planet for 
not have to be constantly thrown around, you know? Yeah, Jesse, so you, were, you, you, were, you were cutting out just a little bit there. So let me, re, let me rephrase what you just, what you just said. Oh, um, okay. You said that, that when, when there are a lot of ships in the system, when there's a lot of people fighting over control of these planets out there, that focusing on tech at that time is a really good thing. To be doing the, the unpopular thing is often the way to get a lot for a little. Um, and, yeah. But it can shift because when you do a colonize action, um, some of the planets that are out there in the, in the star system map are cards. And they have a certain level of, tech, of, uh, of military um, that you have to have in that system. And you have to have control of the system. And if you have a technology that allows you to do it, you can put your one worker on a space and you can colonize that system. When you do, that, tech, that level of military has to go away. So if you colonize a world that needs five military, those five levels of ships, you know, two level one ships and a level three ship, they go back to your player board and become boxes, become r- basic resources once again. Um, yeah. And that can really change the makeup of that uh, of the spaceboard. Suddenly, the spaceboard, which looked like, oh my goodness, everybody is fighting over everything, and it's going to cost me so many ships just to take over this or take over that. Suddenly, two people colonize, and half of the ships on the board are, are gone. And so maybe that's the time to shift your thinking and to get into the space game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And paying attention to those, I guess, those achievements that come out. The, um, um, those, those bonuses you can get at the end of the game. Although sometimes, you know, you, you can't just, uh, zag when there's zigging because you are, you're racing for an achievement with somebody. Like mm-hmm. if you're the first one to get the fourth technology level, then, uh, you get an achievement. So you want to be the first one to do that. Yeah. You get that, you get more points, you know, four versus three or whatever. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one point advantages can, can, you know, uh, there's a bunch of ways to score points in the game. Um, a lot of your points are going to come from the colonies that you create. Um, and making a system a colony is generally going to score you between four and six victory points, I think, for the most part. And some of them offer other little yeah. advantages as well, the little bonuses. Sometimes one-time bonuses, sometimes um, little extra bonus powers that you unlock uh, for the rest of the game. So that's one way to get a lot of points. Um, uh, successfully researching technologies get two points. Every level one technology that you've researched by the end of the game is going to score you one point. Every level two is going to score you two. Every level three is three. And the level fours are the wild cards. Level fours are like those game end scoring tokens, uh, scoring yeah. uh, uh, cards where you flip over that card, you, you look at it, and, oh, look, I'm going to score blank number of points for every blank I have. And, and those sorts of things can happen. Uh, it's interesting, though, the way technologies are gained because it's not one of these things where, first of all, there's no tech tree to begin with. It doesn't say what tech leads to what tech, right? It's a very dynamic system. Jesse, do you want to talk about the, the way the designer developed the tech system? Right. Well, they have. Um, I'm not sure how they uh, categorize them uh, specific. Like one, one would be like it's basically red, green, yellow, and blue, right? Yeah. So one is maybe uh, economic, and one's like more maybe militaristic and then maybe political kind of thing. Um, and um, so you'll have this sort of out arrow <laughs> when you develop this tech. Mm-hmm. You can, like if you get a red tech, a militaristic tech, then you're going to draw a second level tech. If you're that's what you're reading, and and it'll have to be a red. So it could, some of them are combinations are red yellow, 
or whatever. Then you then um, well, if you play the basic version, you'll get to what flip over two, correct? Like that have red, and then choose one of them. But when you play with the advanced rules, you, you're just laying out um, at the beginning uh, what these level two techs are going to be. And so th- I actually I do prefer that. Um, I think it's I understand better, how right? it can sort of slow down the game a little bit more because mm-hmm. you know you're stopping to think. But I, I do like that um, that you can plan. Okay, I want that tech, so I gotta make sure I do this at this time, so they don't take this tech on the other side of the, the yeah. ladder that I'm not exploring. You know, hundred percent. It's a, it's um, it's an expert but, uh, version of the game that is a very minor change to the rules and does generally improve improve the game. But uh, yeah, so so there are there are four different colored techs. Uh, the military tech is the red one, and the level one tech is always the same. It's uh, narrow beam lasers. And then from that, there are three lines, and one line goes straight up to a level three tech. One line goes to a level two tech that only requires that red tech to develop, and another one leads to another level two tech that requires both a red tech and a whatever the other column is, because they're they're randomly assigned at the beginning of each at each game. But let's suppose it's red and yellow, which is the economic tech, right? Right. Once you have that and you, you're able to develop the next level tech, if, for instance, you're developing the level two tech that requires red only, you're, gonna draw, you're going to look at, in, in the advanced game, you're going to look at the board of level two techs and anything that has a par, at least partially red entryway. So there's, there's an arrow coming into the tech on the left side of the card and an arrow going out on the right side of the card arrow going, you know, and if the arrow going in is red in any part, that is a technology that is that you could put. And sometimes you're going to have a choice. You're going to only have a choice of one. Sometimes you're going to have a choice of three or four in, in the advanced game. In the beginning game, you're just going to keep drawing cards until you get two choices. And those are great choices. I love a good tech decision where, Oh, look, this gives me this bonus. That's going to really help my like that that's going to make space exploration something that also generates ore for me which is kind of cool or this is going to really up the level the amount of ships that I'm going to be able to spawn and put out into the into the world and that's going to give me some uh some military dominance which is interesting and and choosing and weighing those choices uh I don't know about you Jesse but I found that fascinating I was really I, I every did. every time I had those choices they were fun I was always invigorated. Um, like I, I know Trey had some objections to this game. Uh, he's and he was checking out. Elder was checking out. I, I think Elder was playing a different game <laughs> when we were playing this. Look, um, but look, as I, I said, as I said, when we played it, this is not Elder's game. Okay, if Elder doesn't have at least sixteen different resources to manage, he doesn't enjoy the game. This has one resource. Okay, it, it, I'm surprised cool. he didn't flip the table when he read the rules. Right. Or you only have or that's it. Come on, guys. What are you doing? I'll just gotta be like, what do you mean? Uh, what or is it? Is it vibranium? Is it is it mithril? What what you know? What are we even talking right. about here? So I don't think it it fits Elder's play style, and it's not it's not really the things that Elder loves about games. This is this is not that. So and yeah, right. so we we should recognize that some of you know some of the people that we really respect play this game, and we're like, eh. It's okay. Sure, sure. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I have some issues with it, but... What are your issues? Um, I, well, uh, you know, I'll get to that. I just want to point out okay. also, like, if you are going to go for these sort of, like, game-breaking level four techs that give you all these a massive amount of, of, of um, points at the end, uh, you know, keep in mind, I don't know if we mentioned this, that 
when you go up the tree, mm-hmm. uh, not only do you have to like put if you did a red tech that you're going to put a red tech, uh, but you can't just like run straight up the tree to the fourth level. Like many of them on the second level and then the third level and then the fourth level require two different techs from the prior level. Correct. So and that sort of gets exponential, right? So yes. by the time that you're going to try to get that fourth tech, well, you need two level three techs that are next to each other um, and or two of the three in this certain section. But then for each of those or for at least one of those, you're going to need two out of, you know, a double to get to the third. Yes. For each of them, you know what I mean? So it's exponential. To, it's hard to get up there, basically. It, there's a really um, good shot that if you want to get a level four tech, you will have needed to research at least three of the level ones, at least two or three of the level twos in order to make the tree work for you. And, and if you're investing in that, if you're going for uh, these these technologies, if you're doing the research, then you're maybe not colonizing and you're missing an opportunity to take yep. a card off the board. Uh, or, you know, you're not putting more ships on there. Now, some of the techs come with an immediate bonus. So yep. when you research it, you just get some stuff. And so you can really get a bunch of those uh, that can help you get more ships on the board and do some special things. Um, but then they're going to come, those particular cards are going to come with maybe a, a weaker uh, spot that you can now do. But most of the time, the, the, these cards are coming with a new spot that you can do something more powerful, a more powerful version of what the basic things that you can do in the game. Yes. Um, and But, and, but what, it, I, I found it, yeah. No, go I, ahead. I, I, I really found it really interesting throughout the entire time. I, I think, I feel like our games were like three hours long. Um, I think so, and we were playing we were playing deliberative games. I think that that for other people, I think that I think two hours, two and a half hours is is plenty doable if you if you already know the game and understand the game. Uh, I, I think that's probably closer to the to, to the actual time. Yes, Th- three hour three hours if if people really want to think it through. Because there's a lot to I, I, there's a lot we also to think have to about. Teach that thing for us too. Yes, exactly. Yes, um, but but I I. I was interested the entire time. Like if uh, I, I'm, I do like that you're making one move, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it can, it can, um, I, I, when we played, I was moving pretty quickly. There was, I think there was one move and I really had to think about it. Um, yeah. But I think it gives you a chance when people, cause you're making one move, they're making it, make a move while they're making their move. If, if they're taking enough time, as long as they're not going to really block you, then you might be able to do the thing that you were planning to do, and then the game can really flow. Yeah, um, the actions so, are not but long. Even if it wasn't, I didn't. I didn't care if somebody took a long time. I, I, I was. I enjoyed the process of going. Okay, this seems like a good move to me, but is there another option? What happens if they do this? And what are they after right now? What am I expecting them to do? Oh, oh, Trey's going to colonize at this point, so I should probably colonize now to block him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. That was that was fun. Never got bored of of that. Oh yeah, process. yeah, yeah. Uh, there is there is a, there is a timing and flow to the game as well. That if you can grok it and if you can get if you can sort of figure that out, uh, you can you can really do well in the game. But you have to be paying attention to that. Like um, I just researched this level three tech. I'm the only one who's researched it. So the action space on that three tech, I know is mine. I can take that, and no one else is going to be able to take that because in order for somebody else to take that, first they have to research it, and that will give me the the time necessary to know that. Another tech, a level two tech that I really want to take, three out of four of us have researched that tech. Anybody could jump on that. I better prioritize that as my next action. 
A lot of decisions like yeah. that that happen in the game. Um, the turns are short. You are you are putting yeah. a piece down in a place. You're doing what the action says, and then you are taking one of your you're taking a production action, getting men or or mostly, and then it moves on to the yeah. next player. The only thing that makes it longer is the decision of where to place your one pawn. And as the game goes on, more and more spaces are available. More and more choices are available, so it can get it can get a little thinky. And uh, yeah, here's my here's my take on Beyond the Sun. I think it's a really kind of fascinating game. I don't like the art. I don't think the art does does much for the game. I don't think that the 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 military board, the map board, it, it feels a little take that. It feels it's a very simple that that aspect of the game is a very simple area majority slap the next person around and take what you yeah. can take what you can from it. So it's not particularly inspired. But once again, that's the sideboard, right? It's it's it, it's going to generate a lot of points in the game, so it's important. But it is the sideboard. I think this is a very different game. I don't think I've played a game that's quite like this before. Uh, and and that invigorates yeah. me. That, that that's a very very interesting to me. Uh, a game in which the uh, the acquisition and development of technologies takes a little bit more of the forefront, and the expansion and and conquering of of places uh, takes a step back. And you know, listen, we've talked a lot this year about. Um, this hobby's predilection for 4X and things like that, and what does that say about you know us as a society? And and what are the you know when we play historical games, when we talked about uh, Maracaibo or Imperial Struggle, you know we talked about the real cost of you know of colonization and conquering and all that sort of stuff. It, strangely yeah. enough, and, and listen, we we said that you put it into space and suddenly we're kind of absolved of that, right? We don't have to face that. Uh, but this actually takes it a step further. And this is a game that that's not the focus of the game. The focus of the game is uh, increasing knowledge, right? Is, is, uh, is improving ourselves to some degree. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I do. Well, that's I, good. I mean, put your own you know narrative on it. I, I, yeah. you know, I, I think that like I, I, Trey's big thing is he felt, it, it's it, he says it's very statisticky, you know. Um, I, it does feel a bit statisticky. I didn't hear. Him I say mean, that. look, this is a, it's about it's very abstract, right? Like it's, yeah. it's not. You're right. You're there. You're not like conquering people so much. It's it, it. You know, there there are technically you can you can automate you know these farms and you can generate more people technically, but mm. you know you're converting your man into a a, a ship, and um, I, I I don't know. You know, it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel very personal, I guess. But on that note, I guess one of my criticisms of this is that I don't really buy into, like, the narrative. Like, I, I feel like I'm just doing a bunch of things, hmm. right? Uh, like, the, 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 the tokens, the, 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 the difference between, you know, taking off a farm, to automating a farm and automating a ore factory gear, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know. It feels, and the fact that you're just kind of putting them on the on the planet that you just took, yep. uh, and then, but you know, do I want to do that one or that one? And then you can, then you'll remove it. Like they also, they just feel like almost just alternate versions of these currencies, these tokens. They mm -hmm. feel like tokens to me, <laughs> and I don't really feel like I'm, you know, automating farms and and getting people. Not that it has to be that way, but this is a tech tree focused game mm -hmm. by its very nature. 
it's abstract. But even right? even when Trey and I LARPed uh, it? I don't know. What's that? Even when Trey and I LARPed it? I mean, we did LARP it. Well, <laughs> we, we did. That we, made it worse. We, <laughs> we, every time Trey and I would, would put something out on the, on, on the board or develop a new tech, we would, we would, whack, we would uh, reminisce about the day that, that, the, the day that our, our dad came home with the new technology. And we <laughs> remember, when, uh, remember when they first discovered the Glorpnog? Yeah. Ah, that was a good day. I remember I was a I was a little foundling running through the 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 Jarna the, the, the Jarna fields, feeling the uh, yep. you know and and blah blah blah. We, we, we I I thought we did a good job of, of personalizing it, but if you if you still think, feel that it, that it's uh, th- that there's not much narrative to it, then then perhaps there is not because we <laughs> we definitely no, I, I feel like we did our best. <laughs> This this is uh, this is like my thing with um, like playing Star Wars Rebellion. Mm-hmm. I feel like a galactic general when I'm overlooking the map, and I don't know for some reason playing a game like that it, it immerses me. It makes me feel like I'm actually doing the thing. But then, would but would, you, game, but would you if uh, would you if it was not a branded content? You're you're um, you're able yeah. to feel no, you're I able feel to that feel that because it's all Twilight because Struggle. it's because it's all built on. No, but Twilight Struggle as well is is built on, right? It's built on canon, <laughs> the canon of the Cold War, the canon of the Star oh. Wars, the Star Wars universe. If you were like like, if Star Wars Rebellion was built in the world of um, Twilight Imperium, right, or something along those lines, would that do anything for you? Because you don't, because mm. you haven't watched a movie set in that world you didn't live through the cold war you didn't you, you didn't do that sort of stuff i just think that that it's you're kind of comparing apples to to oranges a little bit there there are games that do a great job of of narrative in and of themselves but it's hard that's a hard thing to do um yeah i don't know i mean I, yeah i guess you know you could say that i'm filling in a lot of the gaps and, and this yeah. i know tatooine yeah. and so it's it's so much richer i guess um but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to, I have to, you know, think on that because um, I, I don't. I even like yeah, I, Twilight Struggle. Like I, I mean, I, I didn't live through the Cold War. I mean, I know of it. It's almost like you know. But there are historical facts that I'm aware of and that show up in the game, and you kind of go, "Oh, I'm doing the thing." So um, I don't know, maybe. But, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Other people talk about, uh, as you mentioned, the art, and I thought about it, and. Um, I, I, my problem with the art mm-hmm. is if like, I'm looking at the, at the board, a picture of the, of this, of the board game. Mm-hmm. And what you really see is like swaths of color, two colors only white and blue. Okay. Other than your like personal mm-hmm. gaming tokens, which will either be orange or purple or whatever. Um, everything is either white or blue so so you got this board which is a, you know sort of a generic space background it's it's a lovely picture it's fine yeah um and, and that's that's largely a blue like swath of blue right and then you have the tech tree which is these white space like these white where the white cards go and i think those should be white and that's great um and the the, the problem is now you've got everything that's white so your your player mats are a huge swath of white. Like there's no tech, there's no gradations in there. It's just white. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got these, you know, when um, you're taking the tier one, tier two, um, when, when those come off the board, yeah. Um, 
those like markers. Th- those are white. Why not even just make them a little bit gray? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and and uh, uh, the um, gosh, I'm just looking at like even like the but the board that's all blue has in its corners these accents that are white, stark white. And so now the tech tree, which should be the focus of the game and should be white, I guess, in a sense, um, it, it's, it, it's, you're distracted. Your brain, your brain's going everywhere. Your mind, your eye is just like looking where, how do I find that easily? Right. Yeah. And then same thing with the cards, the fronts and the backs of the event cards are, mm. are, 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 are blue. Um, the fronts and the backs of the achievement cards are blue. Uh, the, the planet cards are largely blue, except at least they're distinguishable because they have a picture of a planet. And so you can immediately, you know, go, oh, there's that, you know. So I think it's just really not in the eye in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I wish that somebody like Eno Tool had done a pass on, on this and what, what a person like that would have come up with. I mean, On Mars is stunningly gorgeous and it's a space game. I mean, okay, it's a planetary game, but it's still, um, there's, there's a lot more to it. And it, it just, didn't quite get there. That said, I think you and I really enjoyed this game. I really, I really quite liked it. Um, I, I'm kind of looking forward to playing it again quite a bit more. I, I do think that this game has a lot of replayability because of the way the te- the text. You know, the, there are a lot of texts you will not see from one game to the next, and that gives you a wide variety uh, variety of ways the game is going to organically develop and is going to require you to craft a strategy that is different from game to game in order to in order to succeed. Um, that was yeah. that was I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I, I did I did like it. Um, I, I um uh, I, I did think the sweet spot was three players. Um, two, I think there wasn't enough, I guess, dynamic happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, four was not bad. Um, it was a little longer in between your turns and because you're only making one action. And so, you know, waiting for three other people to go, if they're not like on top of it, then it can be a little annoying. Sure. Uh, and but I don't know, three felt like it has the dynamics, but it, it moved even better. Um, but, I, I, you know, I liked it and I would play it again. I, I think I think it's a good game. I think I think it's like an eight. Um, and I think the problem is like, and that's not a bad score. Like, I think this year has had a lot of really solid games, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. but Imperial Struggles still, even though I've only played a you know a small handful of times, I I think it, I, so far it's still my my game of the year. Well, Beyond the Sun is uh, out now in stores. There is no mod for it yet. I'm hoping very much that a mod comes out. I want to encourage. Um, the, the uh, Rio Grande and the designers to to put out a mod, let let people play it. I believe that if people play this game online, that they will see that there's really something special here. It is a different game than a lot of other things. For me, that's a big deal. I like this game quite a bit. Um, and but one of the things I like the most about it is that it doesn't. It's not like any other game. It is really quite a uh, quite a different experience. And uh, I found that. Mm-hmm. Quite refreshing. It is available on uh, Amazon as we speak for about seventy-five bucks uh, with Amazon Prime. It is available at uh, Card House and Game Nerds for closer to, for under fifty-five dollars. So if you want to save some money, check that out. And uh, that was Beyond the Sun. Jesse, <laughs> what are we going to be talking about in this uh, in this segment right now that we're moving into? Oh man, how do we put this? Um, what what's going to happen? in <laughs> this next year like 2021 like 2020 was oh man it was hindsight 2020 i feel like we really <laughs> just hit rock bottom 
and we learned like wasn't there a back to the future wasn't there a moment when they said or they were joking about going into the future and they're like don't go to 2020 wow how <laughs> prophetic um but I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to 2021, but I don't know what's what's going to happen. Like, what is with with board games? Sure. When are we going to be able to play board games and sit with each other, and and do that properly? I know some people are still doing that because they're just not being responsible. Um, but you know, I, well, I, some people some saying, people you know, some people play with their families safe, though, right? There's ways to do it. Sorry, what? Some people play with their families though, right? I mean, so so yes. you can be you can be responsible. And and still play board games. You just have to be in a situation where that's okay. Um, I know that there are other there are friends of mine that have little ones that are in a COVID bubble where they have all bas- basically signed an agreement uh, that states that they are going to quarantine very very strictly, so that they can yeah. all quarantine together and they can they can actually they're this the only safe people to to visit with, um, and which yes. sounds great. As long as nobody ever breaks that covenant, uh, but right. there are there are people that that I've that I've heard of that are doing that as well to be able to keep keep gaming with people. I do like I do have like another uh, family that I trust. Like they, they were basically quarantining before quarantining was needed. Like you <laughs> yeah, like you know stay at home mom and like she she like works. Um, uh, I mean, like uh, she's been homeschooling her kids right. already. Yeah. Um, and and now with and you know, my you know the husband, my friend, he, he's uh, he's a game developer at Riot, and uh, and they they work at home. So, um, yeah, so, so that so you're not making a, with, you're not right? making yeah you're not making a mistake uh, hanging out with them. They're making a mistake hanging out with you. Got it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, I have my kids, and I have you know, I'm I'm divorced. And the kids go back and forth. Mm. And so there's a lot of trust that has to be, you know, <laughs> I don't know everything that she's doing. And and um, and sometimes I, I, I do hear little things and I have to just exercise patience and hope. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, you got to be careful. And then there are occasionally like other like uh, couples or families that will see. Like, for instance, what I mean is like, like Thanksgiving, we decided that um, – you know, we wanted to enjoy Thanksgiving, and I know this is like, you know, it's, it's sort of dangerous. Like, but what we did was everyone got tested, mm-hmm. like, you know, the week before, and then swore that we're not going to, you know, yeah, uh, you know, mix that up. And then we then we hung out, and we we felt free to, you know, uh, to, you know, have not don't have masks at that time. But we're we're pretty responsive. I don't that's I don't really great. go anywhere. Um, as you know, Paul is in my immediate family, and uh, yet. Yet Paul's uh, wife Barrington and uh, brother uh, brother Greg uh, both were in Indiana uh, looking after my mother-in-law uh, who had hip surgery and uh, flew back f- four days before Thanksgiving, which is right within that window. Right, they, they were driving and then yeah. and, and then flying. So we decided that we were like, well, what are we going to do? Uh, so I put. Paul and you know I had my immediate family indoors and we put a little table out on my balcony and Paul and Barrington and and, and Greg had Thanksgiving dinner with us on the on the balcony where there was a screen door between us and we ate there they ate yeah. there and you know and served the food and we we found a way to make it work without you know but but you do you have to make those uh, 2020, you you always have to be thinking about this. You always have to be making a making a call, making a decision, figuring out how do we do this? Do we do this right? Right. 
And 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 we're trying to figure out like what is going to be the the uh, the, the nature of board games, like what ga- types of games are going to suffer because of this or, or, or what, what's going to be viable. So mm. th- I wanted to talk about this partly because I, I don't know if you know about this, but um, around a year ago, I was in the midst of developing uh, a card game, a board game, mm-hmm. uh, a social reduction game. Um, and I was I mean, I was going for it. That's what I was doing. I really believe in this game. Uh, it's a, so it's a heist game. You're, uh, it's a, a social reduction game for like six to eight players. It's uh, co-op competitive. Have I told you anything about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know roughly, but please don't not tell people. Okay, I wasn't sure. Just because you're not not, yeah, yeah. not telling me. But no, yes, you. We've talked about this uh, at length back, you know, back when people hung out. <laughs> I, I really don't remember talking to you about it, but. Um, I, I, I think maybe I brought up maybe one day, um, but, but yeah, so it was, it was you, know, you, me, essentially, it was you, me, Trey and Paul, and we were talking and, and you, you brought it up. I, I wouldn't say that I know tons, oh. tons about it, but, but you know, from the conversation, I, 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 I know what you're developing and it sounded interesting to me. So tell everybody yeah, well, what okay. it is. So, but, yeah. For people who don't, for people who don't know, um, it, it's essentially like reservoir dogs. So you're a crew of this, these like ragtag criminals brought together uh, to pay your 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 debts back to this like you know violent uh, crime boss, um, and the the characters instead of being like all like sort of suit and ties you know like Reservoir Dogs they're 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 really colorful characters uh, that are maybe something that would come out of a Joe Carnahan film right they're colorful but they're still somehow like still grounded in this heightened reality like uh, I I. You, I don't think you've seen any of the art, but no, um, I, <clears throat> I really like that sort of like what I call like 2.5D characters that are you don't know much about them. Like like in like in the like Smoke and Aces, not the greatest movie in the world, but I love those characters. Yeah. And uh, and then they are they're rich and they but but they're somehow still grounded in this weird like reality, which which is so it's grounded. It's interesting to me. But um, I found I had ideas for characters and then I would uh, create these mechanics around them. And then sometimes I, now I found like a whole bunch of like um, images that fit like this sort of style that I wanted. And then some of them just gave me ideas and I would create, um, you know, characters out of that. Um, so, OK, so essentially this is so it's, I say it's co-op competitive. So it's similar to Battlestar Galactica or Dead of Winter. Sure. And that your team has this like mutual goal um which is you have to complete these five heists or whatever this sort of scenario is and that'll change maybe from game to game but that's your collective goal and but you each have your secret goal and you win if you've completed your secret goal when the the sort of the game ends when you've completed when your team has completed five heists but what i did differently is i don't have a red versus blue thing everyone's personal goal is very individual and they're very they're tied into the game mechanics. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like Venn diagrams of like uh, possibilities of who could win from game to game, depending on what you're what you're after. So, for instance, like the the hard probably the hardest role would be an undercover cop because he just basically wants everyone to lose. They either die or go to prison. Right. But then you also got like a serial killer who just needs to kill like a couple people, and then and then they need to solve their goal too. They you know they got to get the five heist done. Um, and then you've got like somebody who's greedy and they just need to make more money than any other player. So you see somebody when, when somebody like that's in the mix, 
they're not trying to harm anybody. But if somebody ends up making more money than them, then they may need they, they may need to kill that guy. Right? <laughs> uh, and, and then there's a wrathful, and they need to make sure that half the crew doesn't succeed. Or then you might have somebody who's lustful, and they need to make sure that half the crew does succeed. So you see, like all of these, right. depending on what roles you get, could the games could vary. Like, which is a little like, less. You may have. Oh, sorry. Uh, it, it's, it's a little less Battlestar Galactica in which the the secret role is simply I want Team A or Team B to win, and it is a little more Dead of Winter in which um, in which mo- almost everybody is trying to to work together to survive. But I also, while I'm working to survive, I have to get a little. I have to do A. I have to do this, and this is gonna maybe make me look bad. Because I'm going to right. not always do what is great for the group. I'm going to do some things that I got to do for myself, right? Yes, but it's it's a different dynamic because it's again, it's not red versus blue. It's not like are you good or bad? Yeah, it's not secret yeah. Hitler. It's not Avalanche. It is what w- what I was going for and what I'm delighted actually works mm. is that people you need to figure out what are they after and. <laughs> like in what way could I piss them off that they'd want to kill me? Um, and <laughs> can they be an ally to me? Cause that is how I imagine it would actually be. If you're a criminal getting in a bed with other criminals, it's like, look, we've got this goal. We got to do this, right? Like we're all cool. Right. <laughs> and then you go out there and then something happens and it's like, what the hell is that? So, so the game is, is it does have some heights. It's sort of, that's sort of what drives the game, mm-hmm. but I didn't, want to put too much energy on that um it's more about what happens when they get back to the warehouse and they're discussing what the hell happened there like you know what you know what did you guys do um so and 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 so anyway i've been playtesting this this like uh, starting like in january and it was going really well like it was uh i was learning more i was constantly iterating Mm -hmm. and you know as you as you would and it, it was just getting better and better and people were really responding to it. And I was like, I really believe in this. And then the, the pandemic came. Yep. Um, yep. and I had, and then that was that, like I was, I was basically, <laughs> I mean, I went through a depression for like two weeks. I was like, this is what I was going to do, man. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and thankfully I took up video game like development and coding and I learned so much. Um, and I, I don't regret that. Um, but now I'm at the point where I'm going to, I gotta make a video game now. And then somebody a couple weeks ago came back, uh, they came in the area and they wanted me to play test their game. And, um, and we decided we're all going to wear masks and we're going to like keep distant and do all that thing. Um, and I know they hadn't seen anybody for like a week or so. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, um, and then they wanted to play test my game and then, uh, and it went really well. Like, I don't know. I, and I got so jazzed up about it. And I was like, man, maybe I should adapt this. Like, wh- but how how could I ever do this? Like, wh- I feel like, wh- what are the, what are the options here? I've got, do I just go ahead trying to make this board game, do a Kickstarter and hope that it's viable, like social a social deduction game? Like, I feel like social deduction games are going to be harder. Games with over four people, like this is like six to eight players. That it wants to be and. Uh, I, I don't know if it would be even viable, like, or do I um, create like a the the video game version of it, and where the heists are not like card based, 
but they're more like Project Winter. I know you don't play many, you know, video games, but like, uh, you know, like even like um, Among Us is like, uh, you know, no, I do, I do know those. I do know those. Games. You have a certain yeah. game mechanic that's video game related, and maybe I just find that as a substitute, or do I do sort of like develop it on Tabletop Simulator and keep, you know, play testing it and. But I, I don't know. Like I feel like this game, you want to look people in the eye. Like we were talking about with some of the certain games. Mm. This in particular, like I'm, I'm really into what makes a game immersive, and I really thought about that with this game. And people get in these great discussions, these great debates, and they're really actively not just are you good or bad, but what are you after, and. How how can I make sure that we can get through this alive together or not? Do I need to cut? So I, but you need to look them in the eye. And so do I. Do I try to develop this where you've got the board and one monitor, and then just hope that everyone is is going to have two monitors like I do? I have three monitors, but not everyone has that, you know. Right. Um, or or do I have to create my own sort of you know proprietary whatever like well, video conferencing system where it's like half half the screen is the is the care is the players and then the other half is the board. So, so let, I don't know. Let's anyway. let's let's bring the let's bring the question to to the larger because what you're what the questions you're asking are very similar to the questions we're all asking about what is going to happen when the world goes back to normal and. How normal will the world be? We, we listen. We don't know, yeah. right? We don't know. We know that there is uh, there are multiple vaccines that look very promising, that uh, look to be coming out um, soon. You know, we also know that in a lot of countries um, the COVID infections are spiking. So bad things are happening and good things are happening at the same time. What is the pace at which these vaccines are going to be able to come out? Nobody knows for sure. I think my guess in the United States is that if you're planning something to happen before the summer, I wouldn't count on it. Uh, yeah. I would say I wouldn't plan anything for the summer either. I think that uh, that the the start of normalcy, I, I think, is going to be farther off than than a lot of people hope. I just uh, I, that's my guess, but I don't know anything. So no, no herd immunity in March. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. But once again, yeah. I I, uh, I feel like it, it. Something I need to say every day in 2020 is I am not a trained epidemiologist, so you should listen yeah. to them and not me. <laughs> I wish exactly. more. I wish more people said that. Um, yeah. But that said, you know. I think that you know, 2021 is the year where uh, things will eventually start to get back to normal. It it may take a lot of 2021 to do that, though. Uh, but when it does, what are the things that we are going to want the most? Right? What are the things that we're going to be dying to do in the world? Sitting down and eating in a restaurant would be an ama- it would be an amazing thing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Going to a yeah. movie. In a movie theater, if those exist, oh, if, wow. if those exist, I... how decadent would that be? Flying, <laughs> to, flying to a place for a vacation, and uh, you know, and going to a place where tourists are to see things would be amazing. But also in our in our hobby, uh, so I'm going to ask question number one. Question number one is: Is our hobby going to be permanently harmed by this? And there are two ways that that could happen. One way is that we haven't played board games for so long that, you know, we've moved on to other pleasures. Uh, way number two is has the um, the migration of our hobby into a digital medium 
turned into something that is going to cannibalize the in-person board gaming business. What do you think is about it? Also, yeah, I, 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 those are great questions, uh, and those are the right questions. And, and also, I think you know, will, will it make games uh, less players? Like, will it be mm. more like couples, you know, centric? Uh, you know, I, stuff like that. Like, who knows? I, I think that it's going to survive, but I, I feel like a lot of the pro- we're going to hear a lot of the properties that developers were going to do as an in-person thing mm-hmm. became, you know, uh, a digital version. Um, even I think Among Us, apparently, or no, I think it was Project Winter was supposed to be a board game, and then I don't know that was that was pre-pandemic, I believe, when it came out. Uh, so they, I don't know, it wasn't because of that, but they just turned it into a video game. Um, but I think we're going to see more of that. I think so, yeah. Um, though that said, I haven't found too many games that I've played online that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd much rather play this online. Uh, it's still the majority of games that I'm playing um, online. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I wish I could just set this up on a table and sit across from friends and play. I still, you know, and maybe I'm an outlier because I'm I'm already an outlier in that I'm one of the rare people that plays board games but doesn't really play video games. So I may not be the right person to ask about this. But personally, when I'm sitting there playing these games on Tabletop Simulator, my overwhelming sensation is I can't wait until I can play this in real life. Uh, so, and and I think that that's, that's probably a still a significant percentage of the population. So I'm not that worried about our hobby migrating into a digital realm. I think some games, games that are are really well implemented in online versions, in, in, uh, mobile versions, I think should be there. I listen, uh, you know, uh, through the ages and, uh, Twilight Struggle have done wonderful, uh, business in online mediums before the pandemic ever hit. There are some games yeah. that just really work well in that medium and, and they should have always been in that medium. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think this changes that, but tons and tons of these games play better, uh, play better live, which is an interesting thing for your project, right? Because I think, yeah. What games are the ones that are the hardest to play online and the best to play in person? And to me, social deduction yeah, like, social deduction yeah. is that, right? I, you know, you and I reviewed um, uh, Blood on the Clock Tower. And, Blood on and the Clock Tower, yeah. You put, you put together some an amazing session of Blood on the Clock Tower where we got to play the game multiple times. It was incredible. Uh, that game died on the, uh, is dead on the vine at the moment. I mean, I know that they're 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 still doing things and still finding ways to do it, but the the ideal expression of that game is with a with a group of people together in one place, and you set the mood and you do you know you, you do it upright. Look, that's what that game is designed to be. That's the ga- that's the way right. game plays the best. And I think people, yours people well. are using more. Uh, they're using Discord, and mm-hmm. I, I believe and. Yeah. Um, they they're finding ways because that game, yes, you are sitting in a circle and you again like social deduction. You want to look people in the eye and talk to them, asking questions, and then you can go talk to them. You can take them in a corner and talk to them. So how do you uh, how do you allow them to do that? So you you can at least on Discord mm-hmm. have channels, sure, and uh, and people can create their own little rooms and go talk with each other. So that works. And and um, I, I believe a, a a friend of mine. Um, I think it was him who, who was listening to that podcast and he reached out and he was telling me that these guys, I forgot, I forgot to follow up with that. I mean, we talked about it, but we never manifested, mm. you know, during the pandemic, but, um, uh, that, uh, these guys have figured it out 
like they think they have a good take on how to how to make it work. Um, now, in my game, you are you do have to see a board. There's stuff happening. It's mm-hmm. not just people talking and you know video conferencing. Right. Um, I mean, there is a bit of a board in in, in Blood of the Clock Tower. It's pretty simple. That is that is a social deduction game, and mine is a hybrid. So. Um, I'm not sure how I would work in my case, but sure. Uh, listen, I, I think my point is that there are games that uh, that are board games, but they can be played online. And then there are games that the very design of the game is to look somebody in the face, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. social deduction games are that. You can play them online. People are doing amazing creative things to get them playable online, but their truest, best expression of what they are and where they sing the most is in is in non-virtual, real interaction. And uh, I think your game seems to very much be in, in that mold. And I, I don't necessarily – listen, I think that's a bad thing for 2020. I think it's not a good thing for most of 2021. But I do feel like when the hobby comes back uh, – I gotta say, you know, listen, Maddie's gonna disagree. Alfred's probably gonna disagree, but uh, Avalon is one of the first things I want to play with people. I I, I can't wait <laughs> to get to, to 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 lie to people's faces. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a horrible person, but no, I, I I love the the interaction of a group of people that are hanging out and and having this experience together. And while I while I'm dying to play Food Chain Magnate again, while I'm dying to play a whole bunch of other games, uh, the thing that the, the games that I miss the most are the ones that are the most impossible to replicate in a digital medium. And I think that yeah. that that genre is probably the, the probably the highest in that in that regard yeah yeah so uh, uh it's a sad thing i, I don't know I, I wonder if people are going to uh like i was just looking at like my my tv there and i i i wonder if people will start to i don't i don't know how long this pandemic we're talking like the pandemic's going to be here forever and who, and who knows i mean right i i don't know if we already have covid 2020 covid 20 going we haven't you know um is this just going to be a seasonal thing like flu um or 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 can we you know uh you know herd immunity and get rid of it um but i don't know if this is to stay people are going to innovate and i wonder if one of the things people are going to do they're going to sort of figure out how to you know zoom right to their tv screen to have a bigger screen and make it more of a thing make it more readily available yeah like uh you know you know like amazon uh like the alexa show or whatever you can just sort of pop in uh to you know pop in on somebody you can just say hi real quick you know what i mean like you, you know what i mean like i don't know if you ever yeah. use that but like if i'm driving i can or whatever i can like uh anywhere i can call you know alex at home and like pop up on the screen so i wonder if that's just going to be a thing it's you know yeah it, it's gonna be so much easier to be communicating with people on the fly i mean the, the jetsons um, promised us that a long time ago right and little by little it's been getting better and better and more and more and now you know, telecommuting. There are more people telecommuting than ever have before. My my mother, yeah. we my my mother in Virginia, we Skype with her, and uh, you know, and, and Zoom and FaceTime with her all the time, and it's become second nature now. Whereas it used to be this, oh, okay, so how do we do this thing again, and what do we do now? What now? It's second nature. So I do think that digital interconnectivity is is here to stay, but I do also think that the the fact that we're now forced to do that uh, will create this um, 
will hopefully create this situation where once we open back up again, uh, that we're going to appreciate the in-person uh, connectivity more than we ever have uh, before in ways. You know, um, my wife lived in Spain for quite a number of years, and when we go periodically to visit, uh, I've always, I'm always envious of the culture there because there's this somehow this unspoken thing that from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. or, you know, somewhere around there, everybody's out. Everybody is out in the streets and they, they go into one bar and they eat a little tapa and they, they, they drink a cana, they drink a little, little, little glass of beer or a yeah. little gla- glass of wine and they talk with people and then they stroll for a while and walk into another one and see these other people. And, and, and there's just this, uh, this ama- these amazing palpable sense of community that, that is sadly missing yeah. here in this country except in, in very small isolated pockets. And I don't know. I, I it, there's a chance. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just the Pollyanna here. But I think there's a chance that coming out of this, while we will be much better uh, suited to connecting digitally, we're also going to be seeking out more connecting uh, non-virtually. You know, connecting IRL, as it were. And and there, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a resurgence of IRL in a, in a more meaningful and more uh, intentional way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And your game fits in. That and that's, also, yeah. I'm just saying ahead. your game fits that. Right, your game is yeah. is is about that. Your game is 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 hopefully what we're going to be wanting to get to, wanting to get to wanting to do. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll be craving it, or maybe people will just not have an appetite for that thing. They've gotten used to other things. They replaced it with something else. Who knows? I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. it won't be an issue. We'll just get past this. But um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I will say that I. I, I as far as like not gaming as much or the quality of sitting across from each other, I do appreciate that I could just call, like I called, you know, Ben the other day and it was like, Hey, let's hop. You want to play a game? Like, and mm. then it was like, Oh, who should we get? And, like, oh, and, da, da, da. and then like, you know, now Trey's playing with us like half an hour later and we're now we're actually doing it, you know? Um, but that is pretty great. There, there to, are some things well, that are much better to do it once a week. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I cut you up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than just we're, we'll plan to do it once a week, and and uh, hopefully you'll make hopefully I'll see you there. But like now, we really just can pop in whenever, you know. Do it the last minute if you you know if you can't plan it. So I do appreciate that. But, I totally agree. Um, but I do I do like to see people's face. Honestly, I would prefer if when we played board games uh, uh, digitally, if we all had video going, because I do like to see your guys' faces. Yeah, I guess that's tr- oh, I guess that's I true. I'm, yeah, I, I, people aren't. Interested. No, I I think that's I think that's fair. I think what you're doing is is you're you're trying to find a, a way to get a little bit of what we've lost, you know. Whereas I look at that and it's like, oh, dude, that's just methadone, right? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> wait for the real stuff <laughs> to come yeah. in. Oh man, well Jesse, listen, I I, 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 hang in there, hang in there. I, I, I look forward to, uh, <laughs> to checking out your game in, 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 in real life, and uh, it's coming. It's you know we just we we all just yeah. have to continue as best as we can to make smart decisions until the the time comes where we've found some amount of safety in this world again, and it's coming, it's coming. So so. Yeah. My my words to to everybody listening and everybody in in my life is, 
we're we're so close to we're so close to good times again. Um, let's not blow. Let's not you know. <laughs> let's not blow it in the last hundred meters, right? Let's not fall. Let's not fall down and and get ourselves into a situation. I know it, it, it's fatiguing to keep these protocols in place, to keep doing these these things that keep us away from the some of the best things that we that we love. But it's it's more important now yeah. than ever, right? Yeah, agreed. Thanks, Jesse. That was a yep. really good talk. Um, you know what? We haven't done a game sommelier in a little bit. I'm dying to do one. You want to do a game sommelier with me? Yeah. Let's do Somebody it. Somebody had a good question. Yeah, I love it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with my mom, my dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far as my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master. The game somebody. Yeah. Did you record that? Did you re-record that? No, no. That is a. Okay, I don't know. I heard it, the 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 dialogue so much clearer this time. I don't know. <laughs> oh well, that's great you know, though. I, uh, I always love it. I've been told that uh, a lot of people listen to it at uh, two times speed or one and a half times speed and stuff like that when you're listening to podcasts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, only now when you're when you're on the podcast do you hear it at the the intended speed. So that might change things. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't always listen at two times anyway. So, but I've heard that many times. Every time we've done the podcast, I hear it. So Paul Paul, and, Paul so. posted but last week that Spotify now has two point five speed and. It, just he's he's a monster. He's a monster. He's he's listening to this at two point five speed, and I'm just like, "Where's the joy? Where's the joy in life? You're just you're 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 racing through the best things and just stop." All right, I I hate. I know a lot of people hate the sound of their own voice. I really hate the sound of my voice, and I also noticed that God, I just sometimes just talk really fast, and I don't quite end like the. The communication like it'll just kind of like shut off and i'm just like and i'm imagining people who listen to it two times 2.5 times fast i'm just <laughs> completely missing like what the hell did you just say i have no idea whatever i was just jesse, uh, jesse you, you have a really good voice i mean i just want you to know that that you that you are uh, that you have a you have a distinctive voice and you're <laughs> very clear and you tend to and and the things that you say tend to be very well thought out so i just want you know not for nothing but i want you to know that um, Thanks, baby. Our board game sommelier today comes from Seji Troll, who we happen to know is none other than Seth Jaffe. Uh, Seth Jaffe is the uh, is is one of the owners of uh, Tasty Minstrel Games. So this is a this is a guy that that puts out a lot of great games. Deluvia Project is is one of his releases. He wrote a very interesting yeah. thing on our Discord. He said, "What modern board game is most reminiscent of?" and evocative of the old game Payday. I think it would be fun to hear suggestions for modern-day replacements of other games of our youth as well. So I put together a list of, uh, of classic games from the old days, and what game would we replace them with? So, Jesse, are you ready, ready to do this? I think we got like 10, yes, 10 now, games I we're going to try. I just saw this this morning. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry, uh, what? Yeah, you, and, and you were sent it uh, about 24 hours ago, so... So, yes. Yeah. Well, I think I got it at 8.30 last night, but I didn't check my email. So I got it this morning. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so right. well, didn't, I don't have an answer for everything, but that's okay. it's, a, uh, it's totally. a great question. You have a great list here. So totally let's, fine. let's rock and roll. We'll see what we can do. So first, yeah. 
Let's start. Let's slay the dragon. Let's slay Monopoly. What would you? Some somebody says, you know what? I I would like to try one of these these games that you're talking about. I've never heard of any of them. I really like Monopoly. What what should I play? What should I replace Monopoly with? You got anything for that one? Well, uh, I, I I I do. I now I, I are you are you talking about in the sense of like a cat? Like if I'm I you take you take it any way you want to take it. Of Monopoly. Pitch, pitch me, pitch me, pitch me your replacement of Monopoly, and 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 you can take it from any any point of view, right? Just all right. Well, it's tough because sometimes you're looking for a casual experience, which I, I think Monopoly is, and uh, but I feel like maybe the modern version of that, maybe something like City of the Big Shoulders. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, I could like totally see. Arkwright? I don't know. I'm trying I, to think of like. You know, I don't the think Monopoly is. And I don't know. I don't think Monopoly sure. is particularly. I, I, that's a tough one for me. Yeah, Monopoly is not particularly casual to me. I mean, it goes on forever, and the goal of the game is to destroy people financially, and it takes it takes forever. So it's not really a casual game to me. Um, for me, I chose uh, Food Chain Magnate and Pipeline. These are both. Uh, Economic games, uh, they both mimic a real-world situation instead of real estate, which Monopoly is. Food Chain Magnate is yeah. is about fast food, and Pipeline is about the oil industry. They're definitely all about the person with the most money at the end of the game wins. Um, and they're both, they both can be a little mean, like Monopoly can be a little bit mean. So that's my goal for that. Uh, yeah. no, actually, I did think of Food Chain Magnate, and, and the, but I, I dismissed it because I was like, oh, I don't know if, I, if it's supposed to be really closely related to the theme. Uh, but, but no, I think that's a good pitch. So, all right, all right. I see where we're going here. Yeah, yeah. All right, what about Risk? What would you do for Risk? I, I thought of um, War of the Ring or Star Wars Rebellion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or um, and I didn't pick like a modern, you know, World War Two game. I couldn't I couldn't think of it. But I will say if you want a really great this is what risk should have been mm-hmm. uh, is Warlight. Have you ever played Warlight? No, it, it's a video game. But then I um, haven't. <laughs> it is, it's fantastic. And you can make your own boards and uh, and, and you can play with two people. You can play with 100 people. Hmm. Um, and it's so modular and, uh, the boards can be really tiny. They can be huge and it is a really, really great game. Interesting. Um, so I might, I might have to check know, that out. If, if you want that risk experience, then that's the way to go. Uh, for me, I'm going to go back to my recommendation from episode one of this podcast. Very first podcast ever. I brought out an old game that, uh, that nobody knew about. It's called classic warlord. Classic Warlord uh, comes from the game called Warlord, which uh, uh, which Games Workshop put out as a game called Apocalypse. It is nuclear risk set in uh, set on a European map. Essentially, you have armies. They start off in cities. You move them out into the the lands and capture them. The more lands you capture, the more you know uh, armies your place generates. And when you attack each other, every time you successfully destroy another army, you gain one stage of a nuclear missile, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. It, it's it's a 
it is a definite uh, the thing the, the reason I like it is because it's a throwback. It basically is very much like Risk. It's very much like those games. Uh, the only difference is is that you don't roll dice. Uh, instead, you use a single die in a novel, skillful manner to des- to decide army attacks. That's what it literally says in the rules. Uh, the way it works is hmm. if I have a stack of six armies and I'm attacking you, you have to guess a number between one and six, and I put the die under the cup. And if you guess right, I lose that number of armies. If you fail to guess correctly, you lose one army. And if that was your last army, I have to move that number on the die into the territory that I just captured. Uh, Really interesting mechanic. Crazy. But I I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's worth checking. I mean, is is that supposed to mimic, like, like the sort of... Because... why would you pick a number between one and six? Is that's going to be how many armies you're saying you're contributing? So I'll have some idea of what it could be. Uh, otherwise, it's just random, right? Like, well, I'm uh, thinking of a number. Well, no, because uh, because know. if 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 I put six down and you guess six, I lose six armies. Whereas if I put one down and you guess one, I'm only losing one army. So there is a psychology yeah. to it. There's a there's a huge amount of psychology to it. Um, in that. Uh, I'm much more likely to choose numbers one, two, and three than I am to choose a higher number because it, it, it has less cost. But because of that, I'm losing less. And when it comes to the last army, when I'm moving my ter- people into the territory, if I, don't, if I only pick a one, two, or three, I don't pick four, five, or six, then, those are, then I only have that many armies to attack further into your territory. To go further into your territory, yeah. I only have three now or whatever. Uh, there's all sorts of other little things like if you're attacking into a mountain territory, you can't choose four or five or six. These are narrow mountain passes. You can only choose one, two, or three. If you are attacking a city, mm. you can't choose number one. You need to attack with force to take over a city. Um, and if you're mm. doing a, uh, if you're attacking from water to land, if you're doing an amphibious landing, the defender gets two simultaneous guesses on the same number on the same die. Mm. <laughs> so it's got a lot of clever little things about it. It 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 creates it creates a game where you're attempting to read the mind of the other person, and it it does it does some of that like I'm trying to outthink you, and you're trying to outthink me, and it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of That's fun. Interesting. Yeah, I'd like to, I I've been wanting to check that game out. Dude. I'm sure we'll play it someday. We shall play it someday. Next is the <laughs> game that say, uh, that uh, Seth asked about in the first place. Payday. What game would you replace Payday with? Do you even remember Payday? Um, you know, it's funny because when you asked this, I was Payday. You know, that was a really interesting video game where you know it's a heist game. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I know that game. That. I know. Um, and I then know. I was like, I, I was like, what? What was Payday? I looked it up and I go, oh yeah, Payday. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a great one for that, but and it's not really modern, but. I thought of careers. I don't know if you know that game. Yeah, I know careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's actually a, 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 a pretty old game as well. Yeah. yeah. Listen. It, yeah, I don't know. It's not a great one. Payday. No, well, it's because payday is a tough one, right? It's a roll and move game where you're where you have to pay a certain amount, and then sometimes you get a windfall of money that that comes in. So it's it's trying to make more money than you lose. And so when I think of games like that that are really really simple. Um, I think of a game like For Sale, right? Or a game like High Society, where you have a certain amount of money and you're trying to make more. You're yeah. trying to get more victory points out of it. I mean, it, uh, 
the the first one that I uh, that I described uh, for sale is you literally start off with a certain amount of money and you're buying properties and you're selling the properties to gain checks. So there's money going out and then there's money coming in. So, and and that's very much like like payday. And and you're hoping that at the end of the game you end up with more than you uh, the, than you started with, which you invariably will. Um, next up, the game, right. the game of life. Is there a game that a person <laughs> who likes life would be able to play that we would want to play? <laughs> I actually am delighted by my answer. Yeah? Um, what you got? But nobody, not many people will ever play this game. Uh, but I thought of Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> what you know it's the life uh you know but over many generations um <laughs> i just like that wow idea. like it's life and it is it is that, it's, it's, what, that's what you, it felt like you know? 2020 I certainly is mechanics but that's that was my answer <laughs> uh, my answer is the village think about it the village mm. you get that you have these you have these family members and you're going to put them into certain professions, and then they get old and die, and you put new people into these professions, and you're basically managing your family, only you're, you're manage, managing your extended family over time, and they're, you know, they're becoming priests, and they're becoming you know, w- w- workers, and they're going out on adventures, and, and so it's a little bit like life. Anyway, that's yeah, I Similar. I think we had similar answers there. Yeah, kind of. Absolutely. Uh, next up, Stratego. Classic game Stratego. Uh, by the way, if, if you don't have an answer for any of these, by all means, just say, I don't, I don't, know, I don't have anything for that. No big deal. What do you got? Yeah, I do have one for this. Um, I think it's the best one. Uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings Confrontation. Good. I know you have the same one. It, it is. It is. <laughs> that, that is a Stratego variant that is much better than Stratego, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. If you have not played Lord of the Rings Confrontation, it is a crazy good game that is that yeah. is really devilishly designed. Um, I put Hammer of the yeah. Scots. I put a you know it's a it's mm. basically a two player block war game. War game block war games are basically Stratego. It's it's I put a block I put a number of blocks in in different territories, and you can see the number of blocks, but you don't know what's on the other side of them. What's in, is it an artillery mm-hmm. unit? Is it a is it a cavalry? Is it just a foot soldiers? And uh, th- that fog of war is is really interesting. Hammer of Scots is one of the simplest war games that uses that uh, mechanism. So I thought that might be good. Next up, Scrabble. Cool. Yeah, I don't have one for Scrabble. I I, I thought that would maybe be the easiest one, but I, I just couldn't think of a proper one that made me happy. I feel the same way. And you know why? Because Scrabble doesn't need a replacement. Scrabble is still... <laughs> no, Scrabble is... Of everything we've listed so far, Scrabble is an amazing game. It is an amazing game that I could play today, tomorrow, and for and for a thousand years. It is so good. It does not need any replacement. That said... Well, maybe I guess. But you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have a game that has... No. Uh, it's not about, like, does it need a replacement? Sure. Right? It's so, about, I, you know... I will say that uh, yeah. uh, Tim Fowers did a game called Paperback and then a sequel to it called Hardback, which are wonderful. You have cards, basically, that uh, that are letters of the alphabet and so on and so forth, and you're using it to spell words. And the value of the word allows you to use points to buy a new card and put it into your hand. So essentially, it's like Dominion, the word game. Very, very good. Yeah. Well worth checking out. Hmm. 
Connect Four. Uh, I I think I had something I couldn't pinpoint it. Oh. Um, that, but I feel like there was something. It's, it's kind of like Connect Four, but uh, well, actually, now that I think of it, there's like there's a a video game that uses that sort of like bejeweled like line up the things. <laughs> it was not <laughs> quite like that, but uh, but it's it's mixed with like an RPG game. Um, okay. Uh, Hero Quest, which I forget what it's called, but that's a video game. So that's fine. Um, I, I picked a game like Azul. Right, it's it's you're collecting tiles, you're putting them into patterns on your own board, you're seeing what what patterns other people are making and what they need to finish it off. So it kind of is a pattern recognition a, a, a game, a lot like Connect Four. I think somebody that loves Connect Four, they could probably get into Azul. Um, I'm, okay. Do you right. have Do you have something for Cranium? I don't have anything for Cranium. It is such an odd duck. It is such a different game than everything else that there is because it's kind of like it, I uh, I know it's a kitchen sink, right? You just throw everything in there. <laughs> yeah, it really was a hodgepodge of things. Uh, but I I put wits and wagers. I, oh, interesting. I don't know. I and, have wits uh, and wagers for a different one. So let's let's go to that. Um, next up, Battleship. This is this is a no brainer for me. Uh, Captain, Captain Sonar, Sonar is right, right, dude. <laughs> eight player, you know, uh, different role battleship is amazing. It's it's crazy good, yeah. right? Uh, and then yeah. uh, two more. We have uh, Trivial Pursuit, which I did put Wits and Wagers for. I think Wits and Wagers is an interesting kind of uh, a trivia game uh, in that you can't possibly know the answer, but you can get toward the answer by the things that you know. Yeah. Well, I and I hate Trivial Pursuit. Like I, I don't like trivia games. I, I'm not, I'm not good at remembering things. Mm. And if I do have the answer, I assume it's wrong. <laughs> so, but, but I did enjoy uh, this game. I think it was called America. Uh, By the way, we played it at Matt. Yeah, that's Wits and Wagers. That's 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 a that's a different version of uh, of Wits and Wagers. Yeah. Um, America, eighteen something something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the game you're talking about. Yeah, but that was enjoyable. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sort of mechanic. You can't know the answer, but yeah, get close to it. Yeah, America's great. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And last but not least, Clue. What would you replace Clue with? I put Mysterium. Yeah, yeah, Mysterium's great. Great. For me, I'm going to go a little yeah. old school. Um, Sleuth, I think, is the best pure deduction game that that exists. Sid Saxon classic mm-hmm. from 1971, I think. Sleuth, you yeah. are you are trying. Everybody's got a hand of diamonds, and you're trying to figure out which diamond has been stolen, which one no one has, and uh, uh, just fantastic. That was good, Jesse. You know what? For for one hour, those are good choices you came up with. That's crazy. I didn't have an hour. I had 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh well, but I did then, find then, it was, then it was Uno. awful. I was like, then why you, isn't Uno on this then list? you just why did you just mail it in then if you had twenty minutes? I mean, just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jesse, it's so um, good to. What, to do, you, do you have one for Uno? Uno. Oh yeah, you, we didn't say Uno. Interesting. So what would I replace Uno with? You know what? Any, any game like Uno, I would probably say um, Slide Five. I think is is a good Uno uh, replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, a, I'm not sure I played that one, but I, I saw Red Seven. I, I was, I, that oh was, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like that a little better. 
Yeah, Red, Red Seven, Carl Chuddock game. Yeah. Uh, not not many people know Red Seven, uh, but it is it is a very interesting Carl Chuddock design. It is probably one of his more yeah. out there designs in terms of how it comes together. But it's a very cool game. Yeah, Jesse, it is great yeah. talking to you. Um, it is great hearing that you're still hanging in there and it was good uh, i'm really glad that you got to uh, to talk about the game you're developing i think it's a really great idea i think it's really interesting and i look forward to the day when we can all hang out together and we can do a little play testing on that game because it's yeah uh, i i can't wait long overdue thank you long overdue ladies and gentlemen we have a uh, social media presence we have a facebook channel uh facebook group i should say a discord channel and uh, you and a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod. Uh, please get us in those Board Game Somalia questions. This was a really good one. Thank you, Seth, for, for this question. We really loved it. Always looking for more uh, of that. And you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrain.com. Pod.com, and you can reach us by email at contact at gamebrainpod.com or on Twitter at gamebrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening, and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games. Bye, everybody.